the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. Now, Ronnie's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Hello and welcome to episode 205 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper, and Alex Jones. Plenty to get into this week. News of the week to kick us off. Then we have well, analysis of Arsenal's latest form. We have a response to Jurgen Klopp's post-match interviews. A little bit on Diego Maradona, and we'll cover the weekend's boxing. So, not a lot of news of the week this week. I'll be honest with you, but. As always, there has been some bits, so we'll whiz through those. Brit, who caught COVID, malaria and dengue fever in India, is now fighting to recover from a deadly cobra bite. <laughs> he just needs to stop going outside. <laughs> Youths give energy drink to thieves so they can beat him up again. <laughs> I like that. And waking up wondering where he is. Only to be slumped again. Um, alleged mafia members Joey Electric and Tony Meatballs are among 13 other mafia members to be indicted this week. Joey Meatballs? Tony Meatballs and Joey <laughs> Electric. Tony Meatballs. Whenever I think of the mafia, I just think of the Simpsons mafia and what great characters they were. <laughs> that, you know, that Tony. One yeah, that one line. Right? It was, that was it. You have 12 hours. And to show you that we're serious, you have six hours. <laughs> <laughs> the best lines ever. I'm still playing Simpsons tapped out on my phone, so I've got them in my little uh, town. Legs. Tony and Luigi. <laughs> Former doctor sentenced to prison for reusing rectal devices and healthcare fraud. I feel like healthcare fraud, pra- yeah, healthcare fraud and reusing rectal devices are two very different crimes. Just seems practical to me. Uh, give, it, give it a wash. It's <laughs> all funny games until you go in after me, TK. <laughs> Man run over and killed by three separate hit-and-run drivers who all fled the scene. Jesus. Who's more unlucky, him or this, the guy we mentioned at the top of all the diseases? (laughs) Tough tough battle. Um, 
North Korea executed coronavirus rule breaker, says South Korean intelligence. That does. That's how you get um, things sorted over here. Yeah, yeah. That does sound like something they would do as well. You know, when you hear a piece of news and you think, nah, they wouldn't do that. They definitely would. That is. That's their vaccine. Just kill no tier, no tears over there. It's just tier one, tier two, tier three. You get murdered if you break it. Yeah. And the tears come after. <laughs> Drinkers in COVID medium tier areas could order a Scotch egg as a substantial meal. Yeah, I've seen this. I saw a thing, uh, a, a bar locally to us. I won't say the name, but it rhymes with Scuttlers. <laughs> um, I tried to open, apparently they looked at... A substantial meal you can get away with a sausage roll and some pickles <laughs> and they have the pickles as an asterisk as well as if, Ima- yeah. imagine going in and just, you can have as much as you want to drink but make sure you get that sausage roll down yeah. <laughs> don't forget the pickles um, Amber Heard is in talks to potentially be cast in a female centric Pirates of the Caribbean movie oh, no that should do well that is a spit in the face to Johnny Depp. I've ever said one. <laughs> that really is. She's done that before as well. <laughs> Funny is that, Alex, domestic abuse. <laughs> Very funny by the sound of it. Not at all. Not at all. As I've said several times with Amber Heard, you don't go near that. That is the well, you fruit. You should have told Johnny before. <laughs> How how fit does someone have to be that they can shift in your bed and you will stay with them afterwards? <laughs> Don't know. We we've got a friend who could we could ask his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the pod, Alex. Um, why did you miss his stay with you? It's a good, if that happened. If that if that if was ever an experience where that happened, it's a good thing I can run because I would be gone. I'd be gone. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. door. But if you were wearing a wetsuit, you wouldn't be. So I'd be putting the wetsuit on for protection. Oh, you're so you won't, but you won't run in one. Yeah, so you can run in a wetsuit. You're saying. Interesting. Well, he won't run in one. He had the runs in one, but he won't run in one. <laughs> that was the secret to getting to do the challenge. We just had to get him to shit himself first. <laughs> Joe Exotic reportedly spent $10,000 in Trump Hotel hoping for a presidential pardon that never came. (laughs) That's excellent. Uh, Surprisingly strong woman arrested for poking holes in 13 expensive melons with her finger. (laughs) That takes some strength. That is surprisingly strong, you're right and finally, Potterheads take to street on motor broomsticks for Quidditch match. Where were you this weekend, Jack? <laughs> yeah. Out the Quidditch match, mate. <laughs> Hufflepuff away. Got the, got the gazelles on. There used to be a there used to be a, a great uh, Quidditch World Cup game that I think was on maybe the Game Boy. GameCube. I didn't have a GameCube. My brother did, but. I'm sure I played it on the Game Boy, but great game. It whenever was a great around, game. Whenever you'd go around your mate's house after school and you're expecting it, like, minimum an Xbox, best case scenario, PS2, and you get there and they've got a GameCube, you know it's got itself. 
<laughs> Jack, Jack had a pre- had to have a prerequisite. Right, before you invite me around your house, what yeah, console have you got? Yeah, I won't accept anything below this. You're expecting either like a bit of Vice City and a bit of FIFA, or a bit of This Is Football 2000. If like you're like slim pickings, but you get around, and you have to play Super Mario Smash Bros. And you just sat there thinking, oh, I've got two hours of this before my. <laughs> Um, Christmas is is still a month away, but uh, Alex, I sent you a present in the post last week. Yeah, really thought, really, really, really thoughtful of you. <laughs> got it, got it, bang on, got it, bang on. And do you want to tell them what you got and uh, how your mum took it? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was <laughs> delighted when I was at work yeah, uh, uh, during the week last week to get a photo of a letter from a mother saying. Do I need to be concerned? And the photo, the letter read, uh, a used pair of women's underwear uh, <laughs> with a little bit of material hanging out the back. I was, I was delighted. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> funny sealed it, to retain the freshness as well. I believe it said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe I wasn't the only one who got one as well. I, be, I believe another pod member got one. Part time. Part time. Yeah, part time, definitely, definitely. But no, it's hilarious because I in in the moment I um I, I I decided to go with it a little bit. In I, sort of just messaged, <laughs> I, I met I messaged I messaged her back and I said yeah like didn't didn't you know that me me Ben and Harry but like all the brothers all, all three of us brothers are all into this that is kind of stuff. Getting really weird. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> into like a brother threesome type. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought my mum was clearly horrified already, so she might as well just you might as well just cash in because she is quite gullible. So mum, I know you're upset, but don't worry. All three of my brothers are doing the same well, thing. All, three all, of, all of your children are doomed, not just me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, very thoughtful, Luke. Very thoughtful. Still got. Well, I've, I've still got it. Sorry, I've still got it. I've still got the uh, <laughs> still got the letter over here. Panties. Sniffpanties.co.uk. <laughs> I can sponsor us now. <laughs> we'll take whatever sponsorship. We'll take it. <laughs> the funny Nothing. thing was, is that the funny thing was, is that I I knew it was going to be one of two people um, that I know, and I was waiting. I wasn't going to say anything. I was just waiting <laughs> for that culprit to just drop the message saying, "You had you had any packages yet?" And <laughs> surely enough, Luke, I, I, I'm on the bike in the garage or whatever time it was on like Friday night last week. Um, I was on the bike, like absolutely gunning it halfway through, like a peak, peak hard effort. And Luke FaceTimed me. I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> I'm like gunning away. And he tells me it's him. And then all we could hear was my mum was telling me, stop shouting in the garage. And I didn't really, because I've got your headphones in and the sound of the trainer going. And she I was like, shouting. Already that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but stop sniffing pants in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Rumour is uh, rumour is it's good business. Well, I did uh, actually have your brother message me yesterday after the Arsenal result, which is interesting because uh, he was a coward when Chelsea lost in the FA Cup final. So pathetic, pathetic. The same bracket as the charmer there. (laughs) (laughs) He did also say Jack spoke the most sense on the pod, so might have been a rough week for him as well, Alex. Uh, that's that's what you get. That's what you get when you've got a plastic brother. Solidarity. Yeah. You, you Solidarity would have been him saying Alex. Out of him to be in a panty sniffing cartel. 
And now you call him Rusty. Rough day. Rough day for you, brother. All right, well, we will get on to Arsenal then. So. Arsenal, three home defeats on the spin now for them. And oh, God, that's bad. Oh, yeah, I didn't realise it was three home defeats on the spin. That's... Yeah, um, mm. Villa, Leicester and Wolves. Fortress mm. Emirates. Mm. Well, it did used to be, just uh, <laughs> all gone downhill at the moment. So the, the big question here, what needs to change and uh, where did it all go wrong, I guess, is the uh, the big question. So I would take this back to 2016-17. <laughs> Arsenal finished second in the league, regardless of the, the title challenge that it was to Leicester. Um then went into that window and bought Granite Jacker, Shkodran Mustafi, Serg Kalasanac and Lucas Perez. Then signed the pig himself the next summer. <laughs> so Arsenal's transfer strategy in that time clearly has been to buy players that look like Champions League pedigree and hope that this one extra one each time is going to be enough to pull them over the line. Clearly not the case, um, but the the biggest issue here now, I think, is that Arsenal are quite clearly stuck with these players. Um, there doesn't seem to be too much of an alternative but to play them. And now that there isn't anything to play for, Arteta has to try and motivate these players when, quite clearly, they aren't fighters as it is. So that's that's the first issue because there's no impetus in these players when the going gets tough. Because the thing is, well, I reckon they're happy with Europa League. I don't think they want the Champions League. Why would they want to go and get embarrassed? I, 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 dis, I disagree. I think they I think they want it, but it's 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 much like myself where I can say that I'd rather have a six pack and abs, but I don't want to go down the gym every single week and <laughs> eat kale for me breakfast and. Uh, be on the treadmill like Alex on a Friday night. So it, it probably is that. So I'm sure they want it, but do they want when, it you get, when they get on the pitch they aren't prepared they to, to do it then, they aren't prepared basic, to do what it takes. Basically, you just said that they want it, but they're not prepared to work for it. Well, I think <laughs> that's been a criticism for, for years. And yeah. yeah. The, Arteta's two main issues here is that he's trusted these players that have always let Arsenal down. You look at your Bellerins, you look at your Jackers, you look at your Mustafis. That that kind of player. They've always let Arsenal down since they've come to the club and he's continued to trust them. Some some cases there's been no alternative. Some cases for whatever reason he's decided to trust them. And on the other hand is um like I said, the options aren't there for the ones where Maybe he doesn't. He's trusted the experienced players to kind of take forward his message, get it over the line in these kind of games because it's, it's not like they aren't winnable games. But you look at the squads and it's a, it's a mountain to climb now. I don't think anyone was under any illusions that you've got a new coach, his first, uh, his first job in management, that it's just going to be rosy the whole way through. But it's how he adapts to these situations like this because it doesn't look good at the moment. No, and I think that's the bad 
kind of point to take. There isn't like any improvement. There's none of this. Oh, well, we played well. We were unlucky with the result. It's getting worse, and it's on a downward trend. And the only- as rough as this is, I, I thought we played well in patches. The the first forty minutes against Leicester, despite not creating the chances in terms of the ball retention and the moving it around, I thought we played all right against Leeds for as ridiculous as this sounds, for the first half an hour, it showed that it can be done. But you look at the FA Cup games last year, and that was, I would assume, Arteta's mantra or what he thought was his tactics that were best to get the most out of this squad. And this is the first time I think I'm going to saw XG on the pod <laughs> But you looked at those wins against Chelsea, against City, uh, against whoever else, and we were outperforming what the stats would tell you. And that only works for so long because at some point, what it's, it's, it's numbers, it's statistics, it's facts. At some point, that's going to catch up with you. You can't always outperform what's expected of you. Those Aubameyang goals you look at in the Community Shield, those those weren't great chances. Those were well-fastened moves that he turned into a great chance for a goal. Mm. And very quickly, I think in our other group chat, I spoke, I compared it to that whole team from whatever year was it, like 2010, 2011 or wherever it was. They were great the first half of the season until teams actually started preparing for what they were doing and worked them out. And then all of a sudden it just went to ruins because there was no element of surprise anymore. And once teams have quite clearly seen double up on the left-hand side, we've been like, what the hell do we do now? And yeah. Arteta, it's on him. He he deserves criticism when it's gone wrong, which quite clearly the last three home games have been atrocious. So he deserves critique there. But, I mean, he was asked about being sacked in his... Uh, post-match press conference yesterday which Jesus. is mental you look at Hassan who's the clearest sign of there being a process which not everyone's going to work clearly mm. but what did he lose like seven he won seven of his first like 27 games or something ridiculous like that conceded 30 something goals and now you look at them and he's being hailed as the best manager outside of the top six and that working so Arteta needs the players to be able to buy into what he's doing, which some players, maybe they don't buy into it. Maybe they aren't just equipped to what he's doing. But I would say the project to Arsenal at the moment, and we must have mentioned the word project more times in the last couple of weeks than ever before. The project to Arsenal is Arteta. Um, they're going to get rid of every single one of those players, I think, before they get rid of him. So... That's going to be interesting to see because they've invested too much in him. He clearly gets on with the board. They got rid of the whole structure they built the last five years building just to make him the head coach. And he has this kind of all the power there. So I don't think there's any player or any group of players they're going to prioritize over him. So it really is on him to work it out and get it sorted. I mean, if you look at that Arsenal squad, it's hard to prioritize anyone. Like outside of Aubameyang, is who would you go into bat for? Gabriel, I th- 
Gabriel has shown his worth quite yeah, clearly, I think. obviously, but if he suddenly said, I, I'm going to down tools, you're not choosing him over Arteta. I think, like you said, that whole squad could go. Um, I think when you look at the squads that Arsenal have lost to, Arsenal have better players in some cases, but they don't have a better balanced squad. So the teams they're playing can field an 11 that tactics can be different, this tactics can move around. Xhaka yesterday has had as bad of a game as he's had at his time at Arsenal. The only difference being that we are a bit more solid at the bat now, which is interesting to say after you've just lost at home to Wolves. But yeah. I think it says a lot about this team that and the mentality that someone like Xhaka can be a leader in the dressing room because you would think natural selection should surely have binned him a while back. Oh, well, hold on, a while back, you were saying, a while back, you were saying he'd levelled up, and he was, you said he he was going to be... He showed showed Tony Cruz levels in an international friendly, but (laughs) these things only happen, these things only happen for so long, and with, with with Jacker there, I I don't know what can be done, because he's been showing the same issues for well since he signed whatever year I said 2016-17 and so at some stage he's got to be replaced but clearly that's not happening a few a few a few a few I think it was a couple of weeks ago or to be honest most of the season you've been saying that Arsenal have got the best defence in the league I've got a couple of I've got a couple of well a question from two keen listeners Jen Jen Bones is back again and and Jerry Holmes. Um the um they want to know they want to know uh what's happened to the supposed best centre back in the league in recent week and uh how oh, do you like uh, it's a, it's a little bit concerning that uh, it looks like his career was ended by uh, Pedants on uh, on. Uh, right, I'm going to stop Sunday. you there because that's one of the worst things I've heard. Pedants, <laughs> can we kick him for that? <laughs> I mean, it's been a close call after Ragula gone. I, I was going to say I don't think it's worse than that. I don't think you can. I don't think you can look at any of the games that Arsenal have lost and say that Gabriel has had a bad game. I, he had a game, bad game on Sunday. Got the goal, but he ultimately... Did he have a bad lost game Sunday? The, you, you You're defense, the only person I've seen say he had a bad game. You, your defence... Your defence great, but I didn't think he was terrible. bad. So, do you think he had a bad game? Did you watch the game that, yesterday? That, that, second, that winning goal was his mistake. It's not his his mistake. Yeah. The, the mistake is... Uh, organisation... Why did he go to... Why did he go to... Why did he need to go to ground? Well, because there's three players there, so he's the one. Why, who, he's, gone he, to, no, he's gone to block no, no, the why, shot. He, he was in. He, he, was, he was within range. He went to ground narrow. He didn't exactly spread himself when he went to ground. He he, he kept himself very narrow. He just there was no need for him to go to the ground, which ultimately left it open well, it above because he 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 got a block on Dendonka's shot, which is what came back out. Or are we talking he about the second st- goal? There was no need. He was close enough. To, there was no. He wasn't. He didn't even need to stretch. There was no need for him to go to ground. He should have stood tall and put in the challenge, and it wouldn't have been. It would have been a completely different story. That was a bad mistake. I disagree. I, I mean, they they broke the game down to, to a team. Also, he, you've been, he, you're you've the only person I've seen say he had a bad game. 
you're, you're also making him out to sound like in recent weeks as the key to your defence, the missing piece, the leader, the Van Dyke to the uh, what, yeah. the Van Dyke to what uh, you know, and well, put Van Dyke what, next what, to Mustafi and see how it the goes. Defense, the defence has scrambled, scrambled, crumbled around him. It hasn't crumbled around him. It, it, it's, it's crumbled in spite of him because he's put on solid displays despite the defence. You look at the Leicester game, which was the first of that three-game loss. He had a good performance. He told Mustafi three times to cover the to cover the space. Mustafi didn't cover the space. He had to cover two men and they score. Other than that, he had a good game. Against Man United, he had a great game. Against Villa, didn't have a good game. Every single person on the pitch had an awful game there, so not going to defend it there. The game yesterday... I've not seen anyone by you say he had a bad game. In fact, most people have been saying that he was the only shining light on the pitch. Your um, your earlier point about Jack in regards to leadership, I fully agree with in terms of he do, he's clearly not a leader anyway and his flaws have been there for all to see. And for the longest time in the club, he was terrible and obviously nearly got hounded out. Yeah. The kind of point about how he's playing, I think, is a little harsh, only in that this is... On Sunday, it was the worst I've seen him in a long, long time. He has been in, in good form, or at least even in a game where Arsenal aren't great, okay. He hasn't been you know, as he was before, where he was truly no, dreadful. He, and I've never saw anything in him. But I, I do agree with him. There is obviously a ceiling how far you're ever going to be able to go with him, even if he is in good form. When when Party came and he was dropped, and they went with Party and Alneni, which worked against Man United, and I kind of gave my thoughts on Alneni saying, he probably is the equivalent of what United had in Park G. Sung in that he's got the legs there and that's what you're using him for. And so I think with Xhaka, it, it doesn't work with him because it was just so slow. And so if we are doing that, we're just completely boxed in. Sabios, I thought, was horrific yesterday. So I'm not putting that all on Xhaka. I'm just saying the fact that Xhaka, you look at that, 16-17 squad and he came in there he's not shown a, a particular marked improvement from when he came in we saw his ceiling pretty early but yesterday it was just highlighted because of how slow he is on the ball we were playing Wolves who sat in very well and so the few times we have to break I think there was a there was a time when Gabriel um, stole the ball on like I saw the like clip yeah. Down, yeah and took it out and then yeah, look, I've I've been vocal on the part of Slate and Jack, and I've always thought he was a dog shit. I've never seen any anything in him. But in the last, you know, get, well, I guess getting off the problems, he's been he has been a lot better. But he was great in the he, He's always going to have at some point kind of expose himself, isn't he? And it's probably going to come in, in your in your worst performances. He's going to look doubly worse than those around him I think he's just one of those players who sounds like a sore thumb when it's bad I think the Arsenal board are going to have a lot to answer for in terms of picking Leno over Martinez and I know you reckon there was more people in for Martinez than there was for Leno and I don't think in terms of goalkeeping ability there's too much of a difference but you look at all of those goals that Arsenal had in the Community Shield in uh, the FA Cup build up and even going back to when we beat Wolves last season and that kind of run his 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 distribution right from the start meant that we could have those quick breaks. The amount of times he pinged it just one ball to a Bamiyang was insane. And half the time it was one of them where 
he didn't really need to look because the way we were structurally set up, he knew where they were going to be. Leno takes that two, three seconds longer. Well, I think it's because he's made mistakes before and passed it's the opposition that rightfully so, he's trying not to do it again. But it just slows it down that little bit more. And so when the ball then gets to Xhaka, it's even slower. Uh, they, they need to work out what... I, don't, I, I still don't know what the best Arsenal team is. No. We know what it is against against a big side. Yeah, for every other exactly. occasion, that's the issue. And I I thought this game could potentially be a shocker because Wolves can sit in at times as well. And I thought you might have two teams. As it was, I thought it was an all right game, actually. Maybe that was just because of the dross we received that before yeah. with Chelsea and Spurs. <laughs> but uh, I, I I do think potentially that we're, we're falling into the old trap of just accusing Arsenal players of you know, not trying, not having the heart and leadership, which we know they've got these kind of flaws. But I thought there was more than that against Wolves. I didn't think, I wasn't looking at the players thinking they're not trying. I thought they looked like they were lacking ideas. I think there's I, enough I thought Wolves could see that, that as well in terms of, they didn't seem to, after a certain period of time, didn't start to worry about what Arsenal were going to bring up. No. The, the crossing was as bad as I've seen since that United-Fulham game. Um, that bit right where, at the end where they were just pinging them in and then Ed yeah. Bellerin heading it out, I was honestly screaming. Well, Bellerin, I, I, we've seen him at games before, me and my uncle, when we go down, and we've watched him in the build-up. And it's not like he doesn't practice the crossing. <laughs> he, he he just can't do it. <laughs> and the Maitland-Niles the the thing, yeah, Maitland thing is so baffling because a lot He's of people... Well. A lot of people... Yeah, a lot of people are now agreeing that he is our best right-back. And as so much as the fans don't pick the team, I do think part of the issue is there are still some fans that rep players like Bellerin, Xhaka, that kind of thing, and do genuinely maintain that they're, they're the standard of players for this team when they're not really top six standard, really. And Which, as you said, has shown over a period of time as well. Yeah. Maitland-Niles seems he's better going forward. He's faster, which a lot of people, because of FIFA stand, probably won't say. He's faster going forward. If anything, maybe too laid back but for the most part his defending 1v1 is, is as good as I think any fullback in the league it's it, I just don't understand why he's not being picked and if he wasn't being picked then we should have sold him in the summer and bought a creative player yeah yeah that does seem odd what do you think our best defensive pairing is when everyone's fit Probably Gabriel and Luis. Oh, sorry, uh, central midfield. I mean, so oh, right, okay. Oh Christ! In my head, it's Sabios and Party. But I don't know Sabios, how well that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how well that fits, but then Sabios is a curious one as well. I, yeah, I, I put this part in part down to Arteta, not only a little bit, but only he seems to have gone from being this creative sort of midfielder who came over to kind of workmanlike. Yeah. And, and I think he does that job okay. He gets about the pitch all right. Does, doesn't mind in the dirty stuff. But he, you wouldn't mind seeing more of the technical side of him that he obviously does possess. But like you said, it wasn't it wasn't fun to watch him on Sunday. When he's good, he's very good. When he's bad, he is he's as bad <laughs> as they come. Yeah. On to on the centre backs yesterday. So David Luiz there, and I think we can come on to in a minute him being left on the pitch, but. Mm. Arsenal's other centre-back issues 
Arsenal next summer will, will have cleared 700 grand a week off their wage bill. And hindsight, wonderful thing, obviously, and I'm sure it's more convenient with the struggles that Arteta's had at the moment. Some people are saying it would have made far more sense for Arsenal to put a steady pair of hands, I don't know who they think this is, in the job until next summer when you have that cleared up and it's kind of rebuild to go for another kind of cliche there. And that's when you put someone in more dynamic would go against what we've seen from our best yeah, people recently. Yeah, yeah, but but a, a younger coach with different ideas. The and future. some would have said that's that's the time to put someone like that in. But I, I don't know who people think these steady hand coaches are because that's what Ancelotti was supposed to be at Everton. And some Arsenal fans are saying, look, this is why we should have got him after five games. And it, it can all go wrong very quickly. So... And I just held the job to him and said, all oh, right, you, you just, you're just keeping this warm for yeah. the younger guy. Uh, What's this 700 grand off the week? Is this, who you been in? Ozil? So, Ozil, Mustafi, Kalasanach, all of their contracts end. Uh, Socrates is off the wage bill then. Christ, this um, is some Deadwood, isn't it? Jesus. There's someone else. There's someone else, but I can't think who it is. But it's someone of that kind of, of that, that kind of uh, yeah. level. Um, so that's where, you, if the board are going to spend money, they're going to do it. But when you look at some of the other players that have been signed, I don't see how you can blame the board for not wanting to just give two hundred million out there, because no, the Cronkies, no, no. whether whether that's good for a football club or not, and this isn't a shot at Chelsea, but. In previous times, Chelsea's have been more than happy to, if it goes wrong with someone like Morata, you write it off and you get the next guy and hope that that's the next guy who's going to work. Mm. And that isn't really the case with Arsenal, hence why Lacazette's still coming on the 80th minute after tucking away three Kit Kat Chunkies, a bag of Skittles, <laughs> and two packs of Jaffa Cakes on the bench. <laughs> this agenda's oh. brilliant. That. You'd think that yeah. sugar rush would get him running a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it would, but I remember back when uh, we had Brock of Albion training, and uh, on on the way to training, I used to go to the co-op and get um, a strawberry milk track, a, a straw a, a strawberry milkshake, and a um, caramel Kit Kat. And <laughs> I don't think Lacazette's drinking too much different <laughs> on the touchline and his That's ability. To be I think if you, if yeah, you that's, put me that's in curdling. there, if you put me in there for Arsenal at the moment, I don't think I'd do any worse than Lacazette. <laughs> <laughs> the goals he scored, no. look, fifty million played, pound worth of centre forward. Right now you don't do any worse. Me. Right now you don't do any worse than Aubameyang for Christ's sake, because he ain't putting any goals in either. Well, Aubameyang, as as I said, if. If he was missing clear-cut chances, there was the one ahead of yesterday I thought he should have scored, but if Aubameyang was spooning chances left, right and centre, then I, I would buy into this a bit more. But as it stands, and I'm sure part of it is on him to get more involved, but and, until it's him declining with his chances uh, taking, then I'm putting that more down to the system and, until the time it becomes, it becomes apparent it's otherwise. I think... I know that you keep going on about the doubling up, and I get that. But this happens Eden Hazard a lot of the time as well, and the good players will get around that. But they didn't. Hazard didn't. 
he did in his final season for us, and that's after eight. Also, years. also, Hazard and Bamiyang are, are different players. So Bamiyang has gone back central now. You, you look you, at the middle of the park. It's by the time he's got the ball. My point is that the best we've gone backwards. Players, the players that you pay that money for create something for themselves. Yeah, you know? I've I've just said some of the onus is on him, but yeah, Hazard when he's at, when he was at that point of the pitch did have options to go to. I, I think if if Aubameyang had the choice between the options that Hazard had at the end of the pitch and what he has, then it's a bit different. We'd actually be crying out for someone like Giroud right now. I don't want him back because it is a stopgap. But thirty-four as well. I mean, he is literally what we would need right yeah. now. Yeah, I agree. Someone to play off. Someone that doesn't mm. mind having their back to goal. That can lay off to other players. Well, he's kind of a false nine without the running, yeah. which doesn't really <laughs> make sense. But he does everything that you want from a false nine, really, because that's so, what Arsenal did with the Lacazette, wasn't it? Where He'd almost be on, on on the edge of the halfway line to take the ball, hold it up, and wait for Pepe or Aubameyang to be in on the other end. Mm. That did work for a spell as well. I don't it really did, know and then what happened? <laughs> I think it's just being worked out, and you you have to adapt the yeah. whole way through. But because the problem with Aubameyang think... as well, there was a, a spell where it was he obviously works better coming off the left because he gets more time, whatever, and then it's. Like he's not he's not getting the ball, so we'll move him centrally. And it, it seems to be we sort of change the argument depending on where he's at at the minute. There, there's issues e- either way. Clearly, yeah, clearly there I, is. Yeah, I don't think even his his hardest supporter is going to say he's playing well because he's not. But I think there's only so much that is down to him. Because... I, I think he's just going through a bars for the formulas every striker ever has has done and the fact that no one else in the team can score isn't really his fault do you remember when uh, towards the end for Alexis Sanchez where it was clear that he was angling for a move mm. and he went for a barren spell and what he would do is he would come right literally to the end of our box and then he would dribble and so he would try and make something happen but he was far too deep to be able to make anything happen Yeah, and so it just made things worse and so I don't know if he's been told essentially stay up there because we aren't getting that many chances and your pace is going to be the difference, which it should have been against Leeds. That their, their back line, the fact we didn't exploit that was where I kind of started to worry a bit more about our football. I, yeah, I thought you would be all over that. Well, Leeds, um, I've, I've been on uh, XG the last couple of days since they brought it into the new football manager. <laughs> but Leeds there we go. Can, can see an XG of um, 2.7 a game. Arsenal put forward 0.7. Yesterday against Wolves, it was 0.23. Jeez. So, it, it, it's atrocious. And I don't know if it, it worked so easily for Arteta at first that it, he, he, didn't work, he didn't work on the, the plan B or C because plan A was working so well. I would hope yeah. that's not the case, but I don't know. I, I am still fully on board with the project until I'm shown otherwise that it's 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 not going to change. But there's certainly issues that he does need to sort out, and it's going to be interesting to see how he does that. Would you take Brendan Rodgers over Arteta, knowing that the two different brands of football that they play? What right now? Right now, this second, you get to change. 
I don't think so, and I did have to think about it purely because I watched <laughs> the last three games, which which was yeah. I think, and I'm going by kind of hearing what people say in the game kind of thing. I do think there is a coach there in Arteta. I, I do think that being his first, maybe what I said earlier with hindsight, where maybe it would have been a more fortunate job to come into, but I don't know. I think the fact that we were the only team last season that didn't get a new manager bounce when we sacked them. When you look at all the other times in the league when it's happened for just about the worst managers have always had a new manager bounce, which suggests to me that it's as much to players as it is any of the coaching staff. So, Or he's just better at being an assistant coach rather than a long-term manager. Well, then I assume Pochettino isn't going to get a job again then because... Maybe not. At the moment, moment, he's just the... He's the one that everybody's sort of teasing around and nobody's taken back into business. Would you take Pochettino? That's another question to to ask. I'd have taken him at the the time. I mean, Arteta's shown that he he can win a trophy with less resources than Pochettino had. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why you're laughing. That's literally fact. He would take Pochettino in a heartbeat and he knows it. I, I, I think he would have upset the Spurs fans as much as anything. Yeah, yeah, for that reason more, as well. More, more than the actual managerial stuff. I, I do genuinely believe in uh, Arteta. I believed in Emery until it was too late, so maybe I'll be proved <laughs> wrong here. But uh, for, for the time being, the feel with him, and maybe 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 he just talks very well. Maybe that he is does. what it is. But he does sell it well. I can think but, of a manager like that. Tim there is Sherwood. a point. There is a point. You have some respect. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't have your star strike without what, him. With, what what, what yeah. respect? Exactly. What, human son? Human son? Please. With, I think Arteta just needs to... The way I, assume, I assume he's taking responsibility behind the scenes because at the moment it's kind of a, a collective... The only time he's taken responsibility has been for Ben and Ertzil, which is the one thing if he wanted to keep some people on side, the role he's going to stay clear of. The thing is, I look at the way that Arsenal set up and the way they play football. What players make you better? Like, no, I'm not saying that no players will. I'm asking you the question. What I... players would make your system... Oh, what? If we could sign someone, you mean? Yeah, exactly. So what... what I think my, my turning point for Arteta would be if we signed quite strictly a creative player and then it's and what, then it still didn't work. Are we talking a creative eight? Are we talking a creative winger? What creative like an eight, yeah. Like an like an eight. Someone in the middle of the park that, like can, that can dictate a game. It doesn't even need to be a great eight so like that. Even someone really? like uh, we were linked with Buendia all of the summer window and I'm not sure he's gonna he's gonna change your life, but just someone like that. From what I've seen of this um, Sobus line, I feel like Alex pronouncing that because I have no clue how it's going to be and I'm worried how Alex would pronounce it if <laughs> if we have that in front of him. So he it might, might be, be laughing at me once week if he looks it up. But he might be it might be the single one that I get right first out yeah, of the gate. Exactly. You never know. Someone someone like that who we've seen on paper that they have a creative flair and if he doesn't get it right with them, then it's going to be right. 
we can clearly see your style of play is to defend, defend, defend. But I don't know if that's because he feels that's what he's got at the moment or if that's what we have because we've got no gap between the young players who have the creativity who aren't ready for the first team football yet or the older players who aren't doing it. The, the William one is going to look worse and worse over time, I think. What is your opinion on William then? Because I, you, you know what my opinion is. I, you just I want me to say it. Yeah, I saw you <laughs> him off this morning. But I want you on record. It, as, um, he, he's, he's, been, he's been atrocious. The first game was great. Fulham, actually Fulham, <laughs> Fulham have beaten Leicester here, so yeah, maybe, that, maybe that game's going to look better. But yeah, he, he's, he's he's been he's been atrocious. I, I don't think I don't think he's been worse than anyone else. But he has been he has been it's, pretty it's, bad. It's funny because he got he get he got the assist yesterday as well. Um, Did he for, Gab, for Gabriel's goal? He got the he was the one. Who oh, got right, the, forget it then. He's play, he's playing class. Um, <laughs> he just he's so infuriating, isn't he? Like, I had him on my fantasy team week one, and let me tell you, I was hyped. I was really <laughs> I think that's the. He he doesn't play anything for himself anymore. That's the problem. I think he expects to be played in. I think he's used to having, obviously, being playing with an Eden Hazard or a Pulisic, where other players are going to be concentrating on other players, so he has more space. And that should have worked into his hands if teams are doubling up on Aubameyang. But he He wasn't there when they. Well, yeah, I suppose. It doesn't. doesn't Haven't really been played in forward. He 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 has been he has been very bad. Um, but if you think I'm turning on him now, search his name on Twitter. Oh mate, I don't need to. Uh, I already have. It's it it's it's brutal. It's a bloodbath, isn't it? My uncle is not a fan. I can I can I can say that much. I think uh, imagine what is for you if you didn't try and rub it in as if you're signing one of our best players. Well, he, Statistically, he was one of your best players last season, and you know I'm all about the numbers now. The eye test has gone out the window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we've got Spurs next, which yeah, could be a bloodbath. But well, really I, you get the new the North London derby kind of fire in your belly, and you do something in that game. The the thing is, is that as from my perspective at the moment, after playing Chelsea at the weekend, obviously Luke, Luke, you sort of said in the group chat about how, like, top, it, obviously we weren't able Chelsea defend, but defended better than obviously City, which is why well Chelsea can defend better than City at the moment, and that's why we weren't able to do anything with them. And you sort of said that our top Spurs can't do it against teams that sit back. I didn't well, say to be that. honest, that wasn't me. You did. You, you did. That that 100% was not me. Who was it then in the group it, chat? 100% was not me I'm, because I'm I wouldn't sure. jinx that a week ahead of it. I'm not sure it's been said today. Are you imagining? No, nah, that was definitely put in the group chat. 100% you said about Chelsea not chat. scoring against the big six. Nah, there was. I, I could have sworn you put in the group chat that he's exact doing line. the Spurs fan, Spurs fan thing here, isn't he? Where he's creating rivalries. Nah, he's been nah, spending nah, too nah. much time with Josie as his manager. He's creating conspiracies. Nah. I don't nah. want to hear Chelsea or Spurs fans talk about the rivalry they have either after that game yesterday. Because that wasn't pathetic. a rivalry game. That was embarrassing. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say what United but, Liverpool yeah. looks like these days. 
I, I think, I mean, are we coming on, are we moving on to Chelsea Tottenham? Not, not yet, because I do have the, I mean, we oh, don't well, have Chelsea say, on I'll, the agenda. I'll, I'll say <laughs> yeah. um, the highlights in that game and we didn't have it on the agenda. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> before, before you joined um, the call, TK, Alex mm. said, by the way, you'd have been worried if you were on time, so make it that what you will. Alex said that Arsenal should be all over Christian Eriksen. And I said that probably we probably couldn't make a worse signing than that in terms of finally getting rid of Ertzel and Eriksen, <laughs> if anyone's watched him for Inter, is, is mm. a disgrace. And he said proven Premier League and the last time he proved that in the Premier League has been a long way away. Would you think that's a good move if Arsenal signed Christian Eriksen? Uh, in terms of quality, obviously. He's obviously good enough. Um, he would be a good test of Arteta, actually, to be fair, in terms of if he could get something out of him. We'll find out a bit about him as a manager. Yeah, it's for the right money. I think it's, it's I'm not sure his attitude's what I want us working well, with. But that's what, that's what I mean, I guess. Partly we'll see if, if Arteta can football-wise fit a team around him but also can whip him into shape attitude-wise then you've you've got a great player there it's the way he left Spurs I don't think that documentary did him any favours either he's nearly 30 now though as well and he's nearly jacked it into pretty early um, would be a concerning a concerning he's going to over 200 grand a week yeah and that as well so yeah he's look, he's a proven Premier League player so it's it wouldn't be an awful decision, but I don't know if Arteta is going to sign that type of player. I find it very strange that Conte was going for that type of player, to be honest. Well, considering Bond Conte went for Victor Moses. There's nothing that's too curious about him and, Ale- and Ale- uh, Ashley Young. Yeah, but I, I guess with those... He loves a wing-back. Yeah, that's, that's it. loves a converted wing-back. I just thought someone who's creative but doesn't get around too much is not a Conte type of player. And maybe isn't going to be an Arteta type of player either. No. Um, last things I had down for this. Um, ah, it's Arsenal. I've, one thing I did write yesterday. Arsenal at the moment are playing the football that everyone assumed Jose would play at Spurs. Is something I've seen mentioned, and I thought that was quite apt when I did read it. That is, that is about bang on, isn't it? Actually, be interesting to see. I do think if, if we think Arteta's being defensive with this team, Jose with this team could have been quite something. <laughs> I'm just oh, glad I get left back. Oh, yeah, I'm just glad I didn't ever want him in. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. The final things I had down were when I said about the young players, I thought it said an awful lot, and I had this down with the Xhaka leadership thing. Arsenal, after that game yesterday, sent Joe Willock out to answer the press. Yeah. yeah and I does. thought that said an awful lot about yeah, the players right. in that team. Sending a kid out to go and take the flak. I thought that, I thought that was a poor from Aubameyang. I thought that was poor from Xhaka. I thought that was poor from all the senior players there. Who else did that? Well, someone else did that. that earlier in the year. Was it? Might have been United. Who knows? <laughs> it was United after the six-one, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They sent out. They sent someone out, and you thought they shouldn't have been out there. I think you're right. It does, it does it tell was, you something. It was about... some. It was some. Yeah, but I thought that was awful. I thought even Arteta. I don't know how involved they are with that kind of thing, but he should have had a word about that. 
yeah. or at least that should show him a couple of things. I do agree with Roy Keane that a North London derby is potentially the ideal game to bounce back, but I, I do recognise, you know, Spurs are the favourites for this. <laughs> but I, I said, well, it's, I, don't, it's, I do if, agree with his point at least. If, if, if Tottenham win, if I know it's, oh, it's a cliche to talk about games like this, but if Tottenham win against you at the weekend, it's it's not if really really not going to be pretty because it, it's not going to be it a, a really, yeah it it in the respect that I think we'll put quite a lot past you. Um, but if if there's any if it's any other kind of result, it is going to be a very very close affair. I think if Spurs if Mourinho sets up to play the oh. counter attack game like he did against Chelsea and sit back, it's going to be a horrible watch and it'll be wrong because when you give uh, right now, what it'll Arsenal be like that World it, Cup game where they just it, where they just chose to not play. Yeah, yeah. Like, but the, th- the problem is where Chelsea that, Spurs was. That that'll be a tactical. I think that'll be a genuine tactical disaster for Mourinho because you've got you're coming up against an Arsenal team which is lacking in severe confidence at the moment. I mean, at the 70 minute mark in the game yesterday, they had managed two successful dribbles to something like Wolves' is 15, um, and it's it's kind of like if you give 12 if you, minutes, an, if you yeah if you convey if you create an environment for Arsenal to get a bit of the possession, allow them to start moving up the pitch. That's where you lose the momentum and that's where the confidence comes in. Out of the gate, it is the perfect scenario for us to, we've just got to go straight in straight in at you and show potentially what the attacking prowess in our side is rather than playing the counter-attacking game. I, I feel confident that, I mean, to it looks like somehow we've got a, defense, a decent defence together now. Um, uh, what is it? Three, three clean sheets on the bounce. Um, the... It's looking against a side which are one of the most toothless in the Premier League at the moment. You know, there's no reason for us to not go at Arsenal at all. Thing is, there's there's, the there's no reason got, for us. The reason why we've got that record is because you're effectively playing six at the back in your system. Like with Sissoko and you're holding midfielders, mm. you go and press another player, Alex, disrespected. Yeah, you press the wing backs. Who? Who? The, Sissoko. 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 So I did. I did when he warranted it, but as soon as he, as soon as he found his system, I was fully behind him. And don't, don't you dare talk about, don't you dare talk about slating players and then not backing them. Jesus Christ, you're about as bipolar with players as a gun. So, human son, that's all we need to say. Human son, I have liked from the very beginning. Alex, you said you wanted him to go back for more military service. <laughs> wow, you have I got think... desperate. You have got uh... desperate. The last thing I, I down for Arsenal, and this is easier said than done in terms of what needs to change. Um, the, the Dortmund model, as I say, easier said, in that paying for the high ceiling youth players rather than the players that are going to get you there overnight would seem the right way to go about it when you have more than one place to fill. It's not like Liverpool where they were like, look, we need a goalkeeper to get us to this level. Let's go and get the goalkeeper. And for all the things I've, I've said about Chelsea, and I'm going to say this is this is fact again, Arsenal are never going to go out and buy two, three, four, five high-value players in one window. That's just not going to happen. So the one piece at a time, high ceiling, and 
if four out of five come off each time, then that's how you get to that level. And then you can do the buy the one piece at a time, older player, and kind of get you over the line. But it's not looking like it's changing anytime soon. So that's how I think it does need to be done rather than buying the players that are Champions League ready as some of these players were supposed to be. Because if they're coming to us at this stage, it either means they're an Arsenal fan or they're after one last payday. So who have you got us who have you got after us? What's your run like into Christmas? Not pleasant. Because <laughs> it could get really bad really quickly. Like it already is bad, but you lose against us. That like that is a horrible situation to be in. Burnley, Southampton, Everton, Chelsea. Oh, Jesus. Your record against Burnley is good, so you'll be sound there. <laughs> a record against Everton is usual, right? You've got to you you go. you you score those. the bogey team. Yeah, they are. Hey, that's against you Chelsea. Don't be worried. What do you mean we have to score? We're putting more goals against the big six than Chelsea. What do you mean? Don't forget Chelsea, that. Chelsea, Chelsea has scored against Leicester. Chelsea okay. turned a corner though, so that's why. Leicester in the big six. They take an <laughs> Arsenal's place. You pig. Win, 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 a, win a trophy and then maybe we'll let you in the big six. <laughs> Leicester, Leicester, Leicester. Because if, any, if, if Leicester are placing anyone, I don't, I, I don't, I don't quite understand. I don't. No, you got to finish in the top. You got You got You got to finish in the top six and be in the top six to. To be in the top six, any 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 you know team could have a run at a cup. Clearly, not anyone or Spurs. Not any, manager, any, <laughs> any, any, any manager, any manager, two thousand and eight. Anyway, the other main talking point of the weekend wasn't Spurs Chelsea. It was <laughs> Jurgen Klopp versus Des Kelly. Good scrap. What what did we think of this? Because. So if we go to you first, TK, I think you probably turned off before the interview. I'm sure you've seen it back or at least seen the criticism. Mm. What what did you think of it? Yeah, yeah, I had I had already switched off by then. So then obviously when I, I saw the uproar about it, I uh, I went back and watched the full eight-minute clip of him talking to Des Kelly, <laughs> which, which kind of told me <laughs> this probably went a bit differently to most people. If you search, people would have thought it was that old interview from, what was it, the Everton game maybe? Where yeah. he's going on about a previous about a penalty, he does look significantly younger and has a different barnet and stuff. There, so <laughs> amazing that people were taken in by that. But there we are. Uh, I it was a little bit like um, I did think it was a little bit slightly overblown, but I can I can see why it got traction. Obviously, because he does has a direct row with the reporter, which is pretty unique. It was kind of like, have you ever seen your dad have a row with someone? And it's, and even if he's in the right, you're kind of like, can you just not? It's like it's like these reporters have kind of been briefed now after the last rant that he went on. That right, if he goes on this rant, say something back. Cause yeah, give him a little prod and yeah, just watch. Yeah, wind him up and just watch what happens next. Like watch him go. So it seems like it's going to be quite an interesting tactic now to see who can get Klopp to explode. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like a 
you know that scene in Football Factory where he goes like, Bill, there's about 13 Stoke fans over there, please don't start. <laughs> yeah. like, Jürgen, there's a TV reporter over there, please don't start. Yeah, please <laughs> yeah. don't start, Jürgen. Do, do you not like, think you can't interview anyone right after a game and complain that they're emotional? No, Surely that's was, the reason you interview them there well, well, there you go. You've you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what they're after, isn't it? And in that regard, I guess you kind of played into their hands. I thought the content of what he was saying, I didn't think it was overly outrageous. I guess it was fairly standard and everything we've heard before. I mean, he even said the same things after we beat Leicester and put in a, a good performance. So I don't think as much as there probably was a bit of, I was about to say sore loser, we didn't lose, but a little bit of that to it. Um, I do think the points he's made, he is consistent. I'll give him that. You know, people yeah. are kind of annoyed with him saying it. And I, I said it about Ollie the other week, but everything he's saying is probably right. We just, for whatever reason, we don't really want to hear the people that are in the situation moan about it. He's, for some reason. He's thinking, thinking, it's a, it's a, sorry, Joe. No, I was just going to say, it's a tricky point because I can totally understand the point he's getting at, but at the same time, this is the advantage that the teams that can't spend the money that the big six can will get. The fact that mm. they're in mm. Europe. This No wonder, because he had a pop at Chris Wilder, because he said, well, Chris Wilder that was against the five unreal. Seven. And they've only, he's only got one point. So how's that, that was super, out? wasn't it? So it was a great point to make. But at the same time, that like a Fulham come up against... Say we're through to the last 16. Say we finish second and we pull a big team, like a, a heaven forbid we pull Bayern again, but <laughs> a, a team of that ilk. And Please, got, that's the only thing that will get me through you being <laughs> in the Champions League. And that's not... So, <laughs> we'll go we'll have like a really tough away fixture in... Like when they played Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll go and play like a Fulham and we'll have loads of players rested or injured and we'll drop points. That's their opportunity. Also as well, I think last year, I think the figure came out that just for getting into the last 16, they weren't 77 million quid, which is mm. 77 million quid that, again, teams in Europe aren't getting. So it's all good and well moaning about slots. But at the same time, if you're a big team, that's where the overseas market's going to be, and that's why you're on the top. Of it's not. The uh, the only thing with that being, I and I normally fully subscribe to that view that you said there. To be fair, Jack, and I and I kind of think you get all the perks of being at a bigger club. So this is kind of the price you got to pay. We we kind of in a a deal with the devil with the broadcasters, and you're benefiting hugely from it. So mm. so this is the price you got to pay. Um, but but at the current times, anyway, every game is televised. So there is a yeah. slightly different situation That's where yeah. as much as you want Liverpool and Man United and all the other clubs in the in the main slots, it's not really relevant at the minute. Yes. And BT have less games, them, don't they? BT and I only guess, have that 12.30. And I guess, though, with that in mind, I guess you can have... They have the free clock ones now, don't they? Oh, yeah, so. but that's their kind of... Well, these, these 12 o'clock games was, were picked before the season even began. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think he says in the interview, doesn't he, which by this point, it's, uh, it's already gone. But he says that they signed the contract with the broadcast prior to a pandemic going on, so there should be some flexibility with that. I did think that was the only, that was the bit where Des Kelly fell down. I thought, I, I think it's fair enough that he goes back with the manager. But he's kind of, and I can see how Klopp would get robbed by this, because it would rob me. He's got a bit of a smarmy face as well. But he did that kind of thing that reporters and journalists do where they're kind of willfully ignorant or naive to their own 
on behalf of their own employers. So he's like, well, we're just a broadcaster. What role could we possibly have? Well, we know the broadcasters have a significant role in what Premier yeah. League games go where. We know that. So to, for, yeah. for him to pretend that that isn't the case is kind of almost condescending to Klopp. It's kind just of like there's Kelly picking him, though. He's just kind of <laughs> taking the blame. I, I, yeah, but he does say it's the wider point, doesn't it? That, yeah. Rather than you personally, but it, it did come across like Klopp was ready to just go for him. Laura Wood. No, sorry, you go, mate. You go. I was going to say, Laura Woods did a thing on her podcast she does with um, Akin Fenwa, where she said <laughs> that among her first ever times interviewing people, she spoke with um, Jose Mourinho. Hmm. And he, he said to her, and she said in the nicest way possible, no Premier League manager wants to hear your opinion yeah, when you're true. doing that interview. Yeah. And so I do think they try to stay as neutral as possible but then on the other side as you said with Klopp the fact that he's blown up before they probably do at no, least poke the bear but the, the, the Klopp one that was pushed to the forefront again I thought he was more wrong in that one where he said to the interviewer did you think it was a penalty and he said well, I thought it was soft but yes and he said well let's, interview, let's end the interview now then because I'd rather talk with someone who actually has an understanding of football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was this one. If we're ranking Klopp, them, that was definitely worse. <laughs> yeah, Klopp, Klopp had a point, but when it looks like he's taking it out on the interviewer, that's when it looks worse. And just the fact that it's Klopp, Klopp could have said this in the most polite way possible. Yeah, and he would have been sold for being condescending. So yeah. he really. <laughs> He can't. He can't win in that regard. In, in that sense, I kind of thought, "Ah, oh, fuck it." I'm kind of glad he did because the same people that criticise him for this, like you said, if he said it in the nicest way imaginable, would still be hounded in because because he's you know he's a Liverpool manager. You're, you're We'd known more if he didn't that. say it. Yeah, and and well, if he you know if he because uh, he came out and supported Oli when Oli said it, which is yeah pretty uncommon for a Liverpool manager to support the Man United managers. So in a way, he, he is being completely consistent. It's just that people don't really want to hear it from it. Or do they? Because then, I bet a hell of a lot of people were tuning in for that interview, which yeah. they were looking to, to kind of get aggravated by him, kind of, it's, as, it's, as people he, do. He's added Sky and BT, and he's mentioned the opposing channel on the other one's channel twice now, where they aren't going to take kindly to that, and they probably are in the kind of, uh, just shut up, manage the game, mm-hmm. and then give us what we want afterwards. With with the subs rule, I saw an alternative view this weekend, which I'm not sure I agree with, but I thought I would float it to the, the three of you. And they were saying that the five subs rule actually helps the lesser clubs in the league because they have less depth and so they can't afford for those players to be injured. So, in fact, it helps them if they're able to do the rotations in the game to keep those set players available rather than Chelsea who can afford to lose two players or Liverpool who can afford to lose two, Chelsea City or whatever. Mm. But I don't know everyone else's thoughts on that. I hadn't thought about it like that until I saw it. I think it's not a bad take. I also think the lower managers basically come out and saying that they don't want this sends out a horrible message to your squad because it really kind of says, okay, I've got 15, 16 players here and after that I really don't fancy any of you. Which yeah. <laughs> I do think is a questionable message to be sending out. 
one thing I did, I did think Wilder had a point with some of the stuff he said. I did think his uh, his assertion that Klopp's a world class politician was. I didn't agree with him on that. I think he'd be a terrible politician because he yeah. is clearly not very good at diplomacy. Well, Alex, if, if we if we go to you, um, Jack can chip in on this because he's dealt with the same guy. So you, you've dealt with Pochettino, who for all, for all, until it came to the very end, would say very little to the press. If he could avoid mm-hmm. saying it, then he would. And then on the other hand, you've got Jose Mourinho, who very much lives for the spectacle of these press conferences. And he mm-hmm. he lives for, even in, as we've all seen, the I prefer not to speak. That was saying something in itself. <laughs> that was so mm-hmm. So yeah. with, with this, do you prefer the manager coming out, kicking off like Klopp does? Or do you prefer your manager to zip it, moan behind closed doors and just get on with it? I think I think there's times I think there's times to be professional and quiet, and then there's times to, where you can lose it, where you want to see the sort yeah. of the passion come through. Unfortunately for Klopp, he's just coming off the back of a season win for like for, with Liverpool, which is massive. I really don't think like I, I, obviously well, <laughs> hypocritical is that you want you want to be competitive every season, you want to win it every single season. He's that sort of guy, but I. I really expected more composure from him. I, I expected him to be dealing with it. And, you know, it's it's unnecessary because there's a lot up against Liverpool this season with the injuries they've had. And it's they're still in contention and they're still the favourites. I just, you know, there's, there's a level of maturity, which I don't think is being shown here, that you kind of expect from him, given he, like, the position he's in and the team are in. You know, Klopp, uh, not Klopp, uh, Guardiola is showing more composure and I know there's, you know, it's all closer oh. than it looks. The table position, but I, I think he Guardiola does sort of handle it a little bit better. It's it's I'm like he, you get with him, you you, yeah. you 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 get you get a bit more passive aggression. I think of it, it, a it's, lot it's more passive aggression. aggression. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I'd a passive aggression. Come out and say it than like Pep does. Pep's really it's too like, boiled, yeah. boiled my blood when I see it. The, the, the thing is with managers coming out, Jose does it. To make sure that all the pressure and yes, all the, yes. everything is absolved by him because he can deal with it, which means that his teams don't come under criticism because they'll come out with something so wacky and outlandish that yeah, yeah, exactly. talks about the statement more than the performance. When Klopp does it, it comes out as like he's being a whine, he just whines about stuff. Even though the points that he's making are completely founded. He just comes across yeah. as, as a whiny bitch sometimes. It's <laughs> the same with the basically whatever you say. If you've in a game where you've dropped points, even if you're making 100% valid points, everyone's just going to take it as sour grapes. Exactly. And it's like when, and when you win, did, it's what you're moaning for, you just won. Yeah, he, yeah. When Ollie did it and came out about the kickoff times as well, he went after he'd won. So, oh, my boys were set up, set up to fail today. He's just like, shut up, mate. He's just done it after robbing Brighton blind as well. Exactly. Yeah, that. some nerve. Like, that was, yeah, exactly that. Whereas when Mourinho does it, it's a completely different thing. It's just a kind of... He he does end up becoming whiny, though, Jose. It's, you can kind of track it at each of his clothes, where oh, it starts yeah, going downhill. Where Last season, when he wanted the season ended. He wanted the season ended because of his injuries. But when he's a kind of at his peak, it is, it is exactly what Jack's saying. Exactly. Like, at Chelsea, when we won the league, halfway through the season, when we didn't have, like, a penalty awarded for us, he just came out with, 
is a campaign against Chelsea. And <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, going on with the line of it's a campaign against Chelsea. And it's stuck. It's, it's crazy because he's put all the pressure back on the FA. But if, when we're on the subject of managers coming out, I think the best one from my memory is Gus Hiddink after the Barcelona fiasco of uh, 2008. When he comes out with a notepad with all the incidents <laughs> of all of the penalties that should have been given. <laughs> Little did he know he was inspiring you yeah. for generations to come after that, that yeah, notepad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That famous notepad. And he was way wagging his fucking notepad at the camera. Like, it was brilliant. But I think as a manager coming out, you've either got to go balls deep and just completely make it about yourself. But if you start whining again about the performance or decisions or kickoff times and stuff, you just you just come across in well, the next time you do Some it, managers can just pull it off. Fergie couldn't do it either. No. Well, and Wenger was terrible when Arsenal. Yeah, you yeah. know, I've said before, didn't I? He went from unfortunately him being a terrible loser was part of what made him good, and then he kind of eventually became a good loser, which was the last thing you needed. Mm. Uh, I, I think having Klopp as a bad loser is a, is a good thing. Uh, I I will say maybe, and I don't think necessarily like by design. Whereas I think Jose is very much it's by design. I think what Klopp might be doing is kind of creating an us against them mentality, which is a good thing. Because you can say, well, you know, all, oh, the broadcast against, we've had a couple of VAR decisions that are very borderline, which I think we're right, but you've, you can create an environment where you think everyone's against you. And with these injuries and stuff, you can say, right, it's us against the world. And you can create that sort of environment, which Fergie and Jose used to do to perfection. 100%. Is whether he can sort of go down that route. I think Oli was maybe in a very low budget of it the other day. <laughs> and not, not putting it off, but he's definitely trying to be Fergie, so he's got to try and do something. Klopp doing this isn't going to push the uh, people to give him any nicer fixture arrangements, is it? It's probably going to do quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Get him in the 1230 again and let's do the interview yeah. again. <laughs> with what you just said there about um, Fergie and, and uh, sorry, with Jose, etc., with um, creating the mentality and things like that, I always thought with, with Klopp it, it was the opposite where I just didn't think he had any kind of uh, filter like yeah just I didn't think he had any like objective going into his interviews it was just no because that... it looks like he almost loses his call in them rather than no. goes in with the issue no you're, you're absolutely right that's what I mean when I said I don't think it's by design I think he's, yeah. he's going to end up creating this but I don't think whereas Jose I think everything is kind of plotted yeah. I think he is the, the problem with Klopp in a way in these interviews is that it's kind of like a fan going into the interview you know where like after the game where you'll just be yeah. full of fucking rage, every little decision against you. You'll have excuses for everything. And you'll just kind of like, if anyone asks you about it, that's obviously he's more than a fan, he's the manager, and they get in him seconds after the game. So it's. Uh, yeah, I actually saw on my Facebook memories recently, uh, if you remember the game Arsenal got pumped by Southampton. Um, by about three goals. It's the game where I slam my laptop into my bed and it bounced back up and cut my eye open. <laughs> but, um, but I immediately put a Facebook status up after that saying, uh, referees again, uh, one shouldn't have been a goal, one was offside, one was one was this. And it was that was probably the equivalent of them going straight into the press because it was like, there is no way this is ever going to end well. Post no, and it's no. essentially 
Klopp going in there, like that was never ever going yeah. to end well. That's, Jose, that's exactly like, it. Jose, for a start, we wouldn't be shocked if he rehearsed in front of a mirror before a press conference. I think he might. And secondly, for those that have played football manager, when you sometimes drop a little comment in that additional comments box and then you eagerly wait the next day <laughs> to see when you click the news and it gives you... He also added, with with Jose and some other managers, it is like they're looking forward to seeing that headline the next day saying, <laughs> Jose said this. <laughs> Can't blame them in some cases. So there we go. No, well, I think I think Cobb is 100% genuine. I just, I guess I probably wish he'd be a little bit less so. Maybe a bit yeah. more of a field, a bit more of a politician would be helpful. If we go on to Maradona, then so unfortunately, uh, Diego Maradona lost his life last week. Um, he's been hailed as one of the greatest players of all time from before he died, and even more so since he's died. We've all sorts of tributes before the games, during the games. Um, I think Ancelotti was crying before the game yesterday. Yeah. All the stories are coming back out. I think as as Troy. Uh, put in our chat earlier the one I've always wondered where is Gaza saying he told him he was smashed as well and it's sort of <laughs> didn't speak a word of English so interesting there <laughs> and you know Gaza won't let his Spanish <laughs> but I, I guess this this was just kind of a time for us to if we had any memory I think and I don't know if you agree with this any of you the fact that none of us got to see Maradona play live probably adds to a bit of his mystique for us I would think in the way that for some of the old boxers like say Roberto Duran it adds to it in his kind of status that we've only seen these stories we've only seen these uh, clips and so the genius there is added and we get all this together where we we can appreciate Messi, Pele and this but he's one that just does seem to have transcended everything because we shouldn't appreciate someone with the hand of God. We've, we've had that told to us since any of us started following football. We've probably had that drilled into us yet. He still went on to be such a, well, not went on. He still has been such a legend still is skilled. No one's ever said anything about him being overrated or anything like that, which is hard to come by for almost any player. Mm, and yeah, so true. I guess we just get all these stories now since he's passed and as will happen for however long that his name carries on being mentioned. I think you're right about the sort of the mystique element to it as well. The Duran the, the comparison is probably a good one in terms of he's old enough that you're going to have some, obviously some footage of him in clips. So you, yeah. you can relate to it. It's not like a player who's so old that no footage exists, so you're just going on hearsay. You've kind of got the word of mouth element plus little bits you can see here and there, which kind of... Let's face it, really, you said about the... We were kind of drummed into us to, to hate him as a kid. I remember my dad yeah. saying, yeah, he's a cheating bastard. Yeah. And the hand they got, etc., etc. But then... And then, you obviously, you learn about his, his uh, lifestyle, should we say. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kind of where some people miss the point where some people just degrade him for just being, you know, like a cheat and having all these other issues. And some people hold him up as a God. The fact that the kind of the two combined was what made him interesting. And as, as great as the likes of Messi and Ronaldo are, they ain't going to make a very interesting film. Maradona is. If any of these uh, Ronaldo accusations do stick. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good point. It would be a very different film, wouldn't it? It's a, it's a different type. Ronaldo, the most we've got is his haircut, actually. Him and uh, some Adam's apples he didn't spot. <laughs> yeah, so he's kind of, he's got all those things of like being a creative genius, genius, but fatally flawed. But generally those guys sort of burn out quite quickly and probably don't achieve their potential. He's a unique case where he did achieve his potential, plus he had all these other things going on. And I find it insane as well how consistent he was, even though his lifestyle probably would impede that. Yeah, like, Sunday league he, lifestyle with a like top league yeah, <laughs> performance. Exactly. Like, do you reckon it's some sort of like superpower, a bit like um, Popeye with his spinach? That <laughs> you, you need, you can't have one without the other. Like, you need to be <laughs> racking up a few lines before he gets to be as good as he was because he just didn't care. Do you, do you not think it's strange? Um, the game has changed now in that with Man City, one of the, the main uh, bits of praise that they got during their title-winning campaigns was their cynical fouls and the way that they were able to manipulate a game. And then we saw um, the Suarez moment uh, against Ghana where there was outrage at first. But for me, there seems to have been an acceptance, at least with our generation, that we don't really have too much of an issue when you look back because we acknowledge that if one of our players did it, we'd probably be fully on board as well. Yeah. I was, I was saying, sorry, I was saying someone the other day that his sort of passing, I think, marks how different our attitude has changed, probably within our lifetimes, really, to, towards cheating, towards diving, towards other things, where we are, like you said, accepting of it and aware that our players will do it if we can now. Whereas I remember as a kid sort of being told hand of God, terrible, cheating, terrible. Yeah. And we had this idea of sort of British fair play versus the sort of cynical either Spanish and Italians or South American players. And now we're almost trying to play catch up with it. And I think had Maradona died, say, 20 years ago, I think you're having a very different conversation. I don't think people would be anywhere near over here treating it how they are. I agree. I think if you look at that game, when we go on about cheating, hand of guards, all of that, if we, there's been compilations been put out onto Twitter and if you go back and watch the game, we kick him off the park. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We absolutely destroy him. I don't know how he's still playing. Like some <laughs> of the tackles that go in on him, nowhere near the ball because the only way you can stop him is by fucking nailing him. And then he also goes and scores one of the best goals ever scored, ever in the same game, even though we're kicking in that much. Didn't so, Shilton claim that was, a, that was because the players were so outraged by the cheating that it really happened, they just didn't care anymore. <laughs> they were just outraged. You, you go back to it and you think, well, yeah, okay, you cheated with the hand of God. It, like, it's the official's job to spot it to start with. Mm. Um, but if, if I was him, I'd be doing fucking exactly the same thing if I'm being kicked all over the park. I'll be, in fact, I'd be relishing it as a shithousery kind of moment purist yeah (laughs) purist uh purist i am if they're kicking me all over the park and i go and piss them off to the point where they can't play anymore but after they've kicked me all over the place i'm taking that and again if it wasn't against england we wouldn't care we would completely justify it i thought it was quite shameless that all of the, the media that was that was their back page um when he died I was shocked that more hadn't been made. I know that the first case of it, there was a women's game that happened yesterday where 
a woman refused to uh, acknowledge the minute silence for him or the salute and she sat down rather than acknowledge it because of his history is uh, with abusing women and all sorts. Mm. I thought more would be made of that because in, in Kobe Bryant's case, and I don't know the, the true of what happened there. I know it was, the case didn't go through, but the second he died, there was people bringing up the accusations and things like that. And there was a lot of people saying, look, this isn't the time when, I don't know when the time for that is, but <laughs> with, with Maradona, he, he, his girlfriend quite literally filmed him beating her. And this is the, the case, as we always see with a great player. And I don't know if awful person's too far, but fits in that bracket with Gascoigne. I find it strange that who's still saluted to quite the extent that he is. But I was shocked we didn't get more of that this yeah. weekend, particularly with how things are now. I was. Too. I thought that was going to be everywhere. Yeah, well, normally any sort of character flaw is kind of picked up. On yeah, that, exactly. Because there's normally some, even with a, who's someone who's fairly unanimously seen as a good guy. There's normally some hipster contrarian who's going to say, "Oh, yeah. well, they did do they did do this once in 1970, whatever." So, yeah, I'm I fine think, with you two. Yeah, I saw the. I think sorry. If you, like judging by that documentary about him, we went to go see it at cinema as well, where you really got to know what his life was about, where he was mm. considered a god in Naples like he couldn't leave a house he was a god and then he was owned essentially by the Napoli's um, mafia and then got a coke addiction through that and they fed his addiction which meant it imprisoned him to live through that lifestyle you're going to be flawed like yeah. that's a damaging lifestyle and, and like to go out and know that you're held in this esteem when you play in front of these fans and any poor movement any bad moment is going to affect so many people like to have that pressure it would just be insane i'm not such a perfect him. documentary that was it was incredible it was yeah yeah because you really understood him as a person as well about when he obviously cheated on his missus and got that woman that model pregnant never saw the kid didn't even acknowledge until like when the kid i think it was like 20 or 30 or something like that one I thought of recently for for those that do like sports documentaries, one I'd always recommend um, is is one called The Last Gladiators, which is about ice hockey and enforcer called um, Chris Knuckles Nyland. But if you ever get a chance to see that, that would be uh, my gem. I would pass well, on. Yeah. It's one of the best sports documents I've seen. It used to be on Netflix, but I'm not sure if it still is. So the the quote came back to fruition of uh, Maradona calling. Peter Shilton, a firmus head in his uh, book. <laughs> and I saw some more clarity on this this week. <laughs> Essentially, um, in uh, South America, you just put basically any word in front of head, and it's an insult. <laughs> that's amazing. So, so there we go, yeah. But firmus head... The, the, the uh... thermos head was explained as saying that essentially um, that there's no room for any other opinion to to get past it or to get like through the thermos and escape if uh, this a actually there. a very so, good fit for Shilton. Yeah, exactly. Who would have thought Maradona would be more popular here than Shilton? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, going that. West Ham are already one up, by the way. <laughs> One minute into the game. I was reading a couple of the Maradona best stories things um, 
one of the ones about him just running over a journalist that refused to move outside his house. I bet there's so many celebrities that have seen that and thought, I wish I could have done that. I yeah. really wish I could have done that. My, one of my favourite moments of him is um, him diving in the puddle after Argentina's goal against Peru um, in the 2010 World Cup. It's one of my favourite World Cup moments, just because mm. of everything about it with, with, with the, well, puddle, the rain, everything just looks cooler there. So I suppose we have to savour those kind of moments with him because so many were before our time. I think my favourite Maradona moment has to be where he's caught on camera being past the baggy in a <laughs> whilst he's in the crowd in the World Cup. I thought he was handing out. I thought he was handing out. I don't I think he's he a man to share. Yeah. <laughs> to share in tight. I was perplexed by the amount of people saying they're like 60, that's no age. And it's like, he what wasn't 60 was on happen? the inside. <laughs> he was not 60 on the inside. Uh, We've been shocked by the stories. Were we shocked? (laughs) He's been doing coke since he was about 17. (laughs) I'm surprised he's lasted that long. Like, since leaving... (laughs) He has a heart attack just about every year, so... In the nicest way possible. The thing is, though... You can only survive so many. I'd probably rather live a life like Maradona and go out in a blaze of glory. Warn his bird now. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but then rather than that screaming on it stuck in a nursing home and forgotten about he had that quote in the documentary as well didn't he where he said um, my legitimate kids uh, Dharma and Giannino the rest are a product of my money and mistakes Those poor kids <laughs> what a lovely thing to say <laughs> it just seems like it's a kid that never grew up because he never had the opportunity he's like the man of his oh. family his, fa- his family, I think it was... Didn't use that as, a mis- as an excuse like Michael Jackson did. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson showed you can get away with a lot if you use that as an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> but I grew up... Allegedly. In- yeah, allegedly. Grew up in the Well, people said once he died that like, he's dead. You can't say that about him anymore. It's wrong to say that about him being dead. He's not here to defend himself. That's always a funny one. Oh, if you wouldn't have preferred it dread- the other way around. Just do dreadful yeah. things, and if you're never in the room to have the conversation, it's fine. Well, I've, I've said plenty of times where people say that you should never talk behind someone's back, and I've said it on this podcast plenty of times before. It would be a pretty horrific play to every slight criticism of you. People said to your face. I think you said, please talk about me behind my back. Yeah, <laughs> please don't, say exactly. it, don't say it to me. <laughs> I think at one point I said if I had a supermodel then you'd cheat me on my back, but I have backtracked on that since. <laughs> so, for any supermodels listening that are maybe thinking of uh, snapping me up, your free pass is gone. <laughs> yeah, did chance. <laughs> He's got some self-esteem now, you can't. <laughs> Anything else before we continue to our last topic of the day? No, good. All right, so... Last things up then. So we had some boxing this weekend. We had uh, Mike Tyson against Roy Jones Jr., which I did fall asleep during, which you can probably blame Snoop Dogg wrapping his whole discography rather than them getting on with the fight. Mm. But we also, before that, we had Daniel Dubois against Joe Joyce, two unbeaten English heavyweights on free TV, believe it or not. And it, it did live up to expectation, at least with the drama being there, 
people talking about it afterwards and up until the last point no one really had anything negative that you could say about either man but the point here is Daniel Dubois after being jabbed in the eye constantly from the first bell took a knee in round 10 said enough was enough and for all intents and purposes quit and we've seen a lot of talk about this over the weekend and the ethics of this and whether it should be such a taboo and that is the question it should there be an issue with quitting in boxing? TK, if we go to you first. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because th- there shouldn't be the taboo that there is over it. I don't think... Uh, the, there's a reason for it, is that we, we kind of hold them up as being superior to the rest of us. It's that 99.9% of people can't do what they do. So we're elevating them to a point where they don't have expectations that normal people have. But ultimately, they are still people with a breaking point. Everyone's got a certain physical pain threshold, call it whatever you will, or breaking point in any sport. It doesn't matter what you're doing or any sort of activity, really. If I went, you know, if we went out running, some of us could do a mile, someone's only five miles, someone could turn, whatever. At some point, there's a breaking point. And the fact that his was sooner than Joyce's. I think it's kind of part of the, the intrigue as well. I don't think you can then hound him too much when he does quit. And it was a quit. literally but... not what boxing is for the most part. You're imposing your will on the other person to the point where they can't take it anymore. See, they break, yeah. Because yeah. ultimately, in, when, the, when fighting, I guess the first people on earth started fighting, they weren't jabbing to a point of decision. I know it's obviously evolved to be at that point, but the foundations obviously are there to impose your will on the other person. The other thing is, and I've, I've heard um, Charles Sonnen talk about this a lot, saying that essentially there's a smart way of quitting, which a lot of fighters take and we, they don't get any yeah. flat. Essentially what Dubois is guilty of is kind of do it blatantly, basically saying, nah, I don't want any more, right in the middle of the ring. Whereas someone might you know, try and get the corner to pull them out, thought he might have one get Rory on here to talk about uh, Anthony Pettis yeah yeah exactly there's Pettis there's in, in the UFC it's a lot easier you can kind of give up your neck can't you how often does that yeah. happen give them that give it a tap I'm out of there and it's, it's a funny thing isn't it because that's a combat sport but if someone taps we don't really judge so hard other than McGregor who has been haunted by it <laughs> he gets the flat yeah and again You'd... his thing is there's a breaking point. Eventually, it was, I can't have any more of this. I can't take any more. I've got to stop. And well, it's we interesting, the tapping, because essentially when you tap, you acknowledge that there's nothing you can do at this point to win the fight. Yeah. And essentially, that's what Dubois has done. He said that there's nothing I can do here to get past this pain. Now, he said that there was almost like a sting that went through his eye, right through the back of his head, like a, like a nerve. Right, and it's hard to say someone shouldn't stop. Some of the best fighters ever have quit. You look at Duran, who yeah. we've mentioned. Cotto has been accused of it. Chavez. You look at uh, Vasquez Joshua, who <laughs> things were very different on when he decided to quit against uh, Andy Ruiz. So, I think the, the the bigger indication is is what happens next, but. I saw I saw a tweet saying that essentially within fighters there there's a code, and the code is that 
you get carried out as we've seen plenty of times over the last yeah. couple of weeks and because Dubois didn't abide by this fighter's code that's why they feel he's rightfully being called out for it but it just seems to be a bit selective as to who gets the criticism there. There does seem to be a bit of a piling on him from matchroom fighters who I don't think would be doing quite the same with a with match. Well, they weren't doing the same with Calbrook, for example. They were a lot more lenient on him, um, which was scarily similar situation. I think the issue for Dubois is it's not like he was in a fight where it was all one-way traffic. It was a good back and forth. Obviously, he some judges had him. Yeah, some judges had him quite far ahead, in fact. And and so it was kind of like a you were looking to ride out the storm and you see at home rather than a, a hopeless sort of task. And I guess there was also the thing that that was the first live one he's been put in with, and so the first guy to hit him back, he's quit against. It looks like you're kind of a bully. It looks like you're happy to take out the guys. You can't give it you back. But as soon as someone puts a bit of resistance, you can't hack it. He's obviously going to have fans, to prove it. There's nothing we hate more than that. Seeing someone kind of expose themselves as being the flat trap bully. Because exactly, we all love seeing the knockouts. But when you take that shot back, as Joshua did in the first Klitschko fight, that's when people see you as legit. And when you do collapse under that, as plenty of others have, people do turn on you very quickly. Yeah. And I think he's he's guilty of being too normal, being too human. To, I've always said this about um I got a lot of flat, but he didn't quit but Audley Harrison, who used to get obviously caned. And I said the only <laughs> thing he's guilty of is being a normal person, is that most people will go in there and spew it in truth. Most people wouldn't wouldn't be able to handle it. They might be able to talk themselves into a situation or whatever. Push comes to shove, they wouldn't be able to do it. The problem is, the reason these boxers are sort of reviled and, and admired so much is that they are different. So all they showed he couldn't do it. Dubois is going to have to be. He's going to have to show that he's got it in him. Well, it's, I think if it moved quite nicely on, you've got the. Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson fight that happened this weekend. And you look at Tyson, who towards the end of his uh, career, a couple of times battered from pillar to post. I think it was McBride, wasn't it, where he, he went down. And if he wanted to, he, he quite easily could have just stayed on the deck there. But gets up and does the, I'll let the corner retire me or I'll be yeah. carried out the ring. Yeah, And that's why he's still able to go on pay-per-view 15 years later and make that much money to fight at 50-something years old. Yeah, that, that was insane. If the, if the numbers are like what people are talking about as well, they've had a great time. How pleased were you to see your man Jake Paul on the undercurl, Alex? I uh, didn't know. I didn't watch it and uh, didn't even know he was fighting. Wow, so we tuned in for and KSI Logan Paul, but not Tyson Roy Jones. And he's not my boy. Hey, look, if he keeps no, slumping people like he did this weekend, yeah. he might be my boy. <laughs> that <laughs> got a that big knockout, knockout was just insane. Not that, not that there was a good knockout, just I've never seen someone bounce headfirst off a camera. <laughs> like, That's like what, happened? Were, what, you know, what happened? 
Jake Paul absolutely battered the bloke he was in with the ex NBA player. Oh, and right. him him slept in the ring because now, Alex, I don't know if you've seen. So before they did it with the head guards, now the new thing is they get them a pro license and they're getting in there with standard size gloves and no head guards. So if they are garbage, they can legitimately be chinned. <laughs> and like I've never seen a boxer because all the boxing that I watch, I, I am an armchair boxing fan. I have to admit it, but I enjoy watching it. But the knockouts are kind of like like actual knockouts that like they fall backwards, and it seems like they're trained to be knocked out. It sounds really weird, but this guy just did not know how to fall. He was <laughs> like a zombie. He kept yeah, getting up. <laughs> like literally face first. Like and he's quite a considerably heavy bloke. And all of his body weight went just straight through his face. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, it, it it was rough. It's the difference between a guy who at least has been training for the last couple of years against a guy who's been training for a couple of months. Like he obviously thought he was just going to turn up and it was all going to work out. I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he just, just looking at well, him it, was like, has he ever done this before? It is the it is the classic thing though, isn't it? Where whether whether you do it like consciously or not. Every every day you do size people up, <laughs> and at, when it comes to when someone challenges you, for especially these athletes, ego does take over. Yeah. And I'm sure Jake Jake Paul he was he was in he was in good fighting shape, but when you are a similar size like that, you do probably just look at them, have the belief in yourself, and just go. I could knock him out. There's no rationale behind it. There's no yeah. technique when you're thinking about it in your head. He's just picturing him landing one bang on his chin and that's it. I'm sure he was paid a decent amount for it, but <laughs> I don't know if that's worth the memes the next morning because the, the memes are bad, but when it gets turned into where you wake up and it's like the such and such challenge is when you know it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, my favourite meme has to be Netflix, are you still watching? And it's just a photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the well, I've seen him with um, I've seen him with that. I've seen him with the Lion King over him. <laughs> oh, I've seen Jesus. Him with that Among Us game where his dead body is reported. So, oh. Well, it's like, no, surely, I was going to say, no money's worth that. He's earned a lot of money in his lifetime. And I, he doesn't strike me as someone, at least, who's in such a bad way that he was desperate for the cash. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was nice, but how much money is worth that? I would probably do that for a million. Actually, maybe even five hundred thousand. I've half the price. That, that's us. That's us. We have yeah. a million. If you've already lives. got money, yeah. Well, let's put it into relative terms. Then, let's say you're not going to be doing it for like a percentage increase. So let's say someone offers you a hundred quid to get knocked out. I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> and you've got to think for them, like with, with the world seeing it, if it was just us, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks back with, uh, we've seen people be exposed on the timeline. For them <laughs> yeah. alone, that's a very small percentage. <laughs> this is the world. Yeah. This is there. was no one doing meme challenges for that. Would have been a very interesting timeline if people were doing that. Yeah, it would have. 
imagine with Snoop commentating. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of stick for Snoop commentating. I thought that just summed up what it was. Yeah, I, and he was actually very funny. Some of the commentary he's done before, I thought this was funny for about two seconds, whereas this was actually really good fun. He for was what good. was something not that serious. So he was good when he did Dana White's Contender series, which people hated him on it, but. You, they had two commentary feeds and you could pick which they didn't have this time around but the, t- the times when as a as a casual fan I, I, I hate using the phrase but the people who first watch the UFC and then you see the grappling and the first time you see a bloke mounting another one with his legs in the air it's the same comments made everywhere and this was just Snoop Dogg saying it on live commentary yeah I think he called yeah, it yeah. on commentary on live TV he's in the take the booty position and that kind of thing and it was a farce as it was so I didn't really have any issue with Snoop doing it it probably kept me up a bit longer than I would have been anyway his his early analysis of Tyson Jerry just for a good round he just said it's just like two uncles fighting at a barbecue (laughs) and he just kept shouting get out of Roy come on Roy every time I was drifting off him shouting Roy get out of the way (laughs) (laughs) and you had him doing that and Adesanya was just there just laughing at him and he was in turn it was like Snoop Dogg was like his uncle he was just talking like saying wild shit and he was just there laughing at him well, during the Jake Paul fight, he he, he was trying to educate Sugar Ray, wasn't he? Where he said, look, Sugar Ray, when I did boxing, I was told <laughs> you pull that hand back as quick as you can. And Sugar Ray was like, yeah, yeah, you are right. Honestly, he didn't know what he walked into, Sugar Ray. He was like, what is this? They asked well, him if he'd fancied it. He was like, come on, leave the man alone. In terms of, in terms of the fight, it could have been far worse. I thought, I think I messaged you after two rounds, like, they're not going to be throwing in another three minutes. I, I'll give credit where due. That is better than I thought it was going to be. And I think the best case scenario that it could have been, other than the fact that they both might think they can do it again, I would rather if they just didn't. Tyson's Tyson said he said, wants Holyfield. Oh, Christ. The, Aren't they mates now? Well, Holyfield's like really, really religious as well. So I don't really know. That, that, I know he was all along, but I don't know if. That would be. See, Tyson said that Roy Jones the only one that wanted it, and Shannon Briggs said, "No, I wanted it." Is if anyone still cares about Shannon Briggs? I mean, no one even cares about Aaron Lesko Champ anymore. No, he 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 could have had that work, and obviously didn't want it. So he should he should have signed when Roy Jones did. Full credit to Bowden. Like you said, I thought well before of it, I thought Tyson won't be able to throw too many. And he was throwing all night, really, as not as much as he could. And Jones, I thought, looked more knackered than either of them in the yeah. first two rounds. And then, credit to him for you know, how smart he is in there, that he was able to survive the eight. I wonder how much he trained for that, I've got to be honest. because he, He's probably more worried about the weight. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other thing. People do forget he was naturally supposed to, you know, in his prime, super middle. Now he's walking around as a heavyweight. Suggests that you were a... Spoke better than I expected as well. Like he answered quite well when he was asked, "Do you have an issue being on the same card as Jake Paul?" And that kind of—I thought he handled it quite well. He was cracking jokes when they said people were worried about Roy Jones. He was like, "No one cares about me." Yeah, yeah, that was that was good fun. He was um, he was funny when he's kind of combined old Tyson with the new Tyson. You know where he said that when he was on Rogan, didn't he? There's recently two different guys, and this old guy's been awoken. I thought he might kind of lean into that and 
maybe not go the full eat your children Mike Tyson, but I thought he might be a little a little darker. He, he, he seems to be able to do the do the two. He said for sure he's not hanging them up. Yeah, that's that is a bit of a shame because really, once you get to that, that's just going to be a case of I'm going to do this till I get knocked out, probably. Which, well, he said he wants Wilder. Yeah, he he doesn't want that. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I I I I so far haven't discovered a corner of the internet where people watch that and said he can beat the current guys. But I'm sure if I'd looked, if I'd gone my way to, I, I would have found it. Yeah, we had sure. it after that punch bag video. We're saying look, he could probably it, still beat most of the top ten now. At least with that, I can say, if you give me that 10 seconds of a load and I'm not allowed to judge anything else, I'm not allowed to think to myself that, oh, actually, after that, he's going to be blowing all that the baggers and punch back. At least I can say he's still got the moves. During this, watching him and Jones, it was two blokes who did well for their 50s. Well for your 50s is very different to fighting their 20s. how horrific heavyweights like Andy Ruiz look, that they didn't look that bad, which probably helped. Yeah, they definitely look in a lot better shape than either, yeah. So, there we go. I think that just about does us for today. So thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We will be back this Friday with another edition of Movie Madness. In fact, I'm wrong. We will be back tomorrow Wednesday, if I get my dates right. Anyway, one of those days we will have an interview with Devin Rattray from Home Alone. We'll have Movie Madness Friday as well as another interview. So plenty to get into. I'd ask you, Alex, if you prefer Harold and Kumar Christmas or Four Christmases. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say you've seen neither. Say that again, sorry, cut out a bit. Have you seen Harold and Kumar Christmas or Four Christmases? No, neither. That's why I didn't, that's why I didn't ask. So there we go. Anyway... Thanks again for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.